Hey gang, welcome to the 30th episode of the Epilogue Gaming Podcast. From everyone at Epilogue, we hope you enjoyed your week. I'm your host, Ben Vollmer, and this week, as always, I'm joined by Marcos Carmona and Dakota Trammell. Guys, we've got a big day. Not just today, because it's Halloween, it's my birthday, but also tomorrow we're getting a Smash Direct. And we have no idea what to expect. We've got some leaks. Maybe we're going to get a little bit of Banjo. I don't know. We'll talk about that in a little bit. But we've also... Undertale, an Undertale sequel was released today, and nobody's sure what it is. Uh, people have been downloading it and playing it for the last couple of hours, I think. I think the original assumption was that it was some sort of demo, so we'll talk about that. And then the PlayStation Classic announced 20, the 20 games that'll be coming with their console, and we'll talk a bit about horror video games, uh, sort of a follow-up to our, our first episode ever, which was actually on horror video games uh, and we'll be talking about what makes an environment so spooky and uh talking about some of our favorite horror levels dakota marcos how are you guys doing this week oh dude i'm doing great good what have you uh what have you guys been playing dakota i've been feeling pretty yeehaw lately i i bought recently i actually on saturday i went me and the boy went to Target because they had a deal on games. By the way, guys, Target has a deal on games right now. Buy two games, get the third game free. They do that does a lot, in- and I love it. I love Target. It does not include that. Red Dead Redemption, sadly. Um, so that's <laughs> when we left Target. Okay. That was the goal. Yeah. Buy two games, and we'll also get Red Dead. It, we'll get three $60 games, you know? Yeah. I was going to buy God of War and Assassin's Creed, and then Red Dead. So I was like, oh, that's fine. They're like, yeah, sorry, it doesn't include Red Dead. Bummer. Whatever. Then I was real bummed out about not having a game because I was totally certain we would. So we went to GameStop, everyone's favorite. <laughs> and uh, too much on them. I got, and we didn't buy Red Dead still, but I did buy Assassin's Creed Odyssey New, God of War Used, and Persona 5 Used for $130. Yo, that's, bad. that's good. Which, good was ended, which would have been about the same price I would have paid at Target for the three new games. Yeah, good deal. Yeah, so, it was a really good deal, actually. Which one are you going to play first? I've been playing Assassin's Creed Odyssey. And how is that? It looks amazing. I've only played about two hours. Um, the combat's good. Uh, it seems very similar to Origins in that, you know, kind of you can climb anything. It has the same kind of format and layout. Um, I didn't ever finish Origins, so I don't know how Origins went. Um, but it seems like they're kind of bringing back, like, the game opens where you're this like there's these two women and one is obviously goes into the animus and one is like a historian or something and fi- figures out the kinks in the programming so it seems like it's going back to that and not just like an with an overarching story and not just history rpg which i was expecting but right cool and marcus we'll what see. have you been up to this week i've been playing a lot of black ops 4 some hollow knight and just a little bit of Red Dead 2. Oh, so you picked up Red Dead 2. I did pick up Red Dead 2. Now, I don't know how much of it you've played, but I've heard the first couple of hours are pretty slow. I've heard that the game in general is kind of a slow burn, which is super appealing to me. I love slow burn games. Um, did you pick I've up on that I've only played for about, for about three hours, and I did the first mission where it's like a, bang, uh, like a little robbery gone wrong sort of deal. And then the second I got, I was able to do the open world stuff, I just started being a shithead. <laughs> Sounds in tune. One with you. thing I really 
don't like about the game is you you can't you don't get away with anything. Like you you so much as look at somebody funny and you'll get shot. Ooh, <laughs> I like that though. Realism. And you have just a pistol. Yeah. Not about the real. Not this. Horses catch on fire. Listen, they I just in, combust. I was in the car earlier today, and I, <laughs> okay. ha- I just happened to look over at some older guy, and he flicks me off immediately. <laughs> I didn't do anything wrong. I fully, I fully expect this kind of thing in a game, in a Rockstar game these days. Like that's what I expect. You mean mug somebody, you get shot. That's just that's fair enough. I will say it's beautiful. Like it is beautiful. Now better looking than God of War. I don't want to, I know we can't really compare the two. Totally different, but I want I want you to give us your hot take. What what looks better? Uh, Red Dead. It it's a very murky like it's all dusty. You're you're in an old west town. It's pretty grayscaled. Whereas in God of War, you have these vast environments. Like you go into um, that elf area where it's oh, just God, beautiful yeah. and vibrant. Mm-hmm. Like I would have to say, God of War looks the best, but that's because there's more color. Like you get some really forest greens and a couple brown in Red Dead. But awesome. And the game, like when when you do the slow time, the gun time, it just uh, it's great. Yeah, I, uh, I Red Dead Redemption was one of my favorite games from the previous generation. So this one's just kind of sitting there. I'm going to play it on Xbox One X, where I've heard it's nice. pretty good. Yeah, um, I've heard that's probably the best way to play it, since yeah. it's not on PC. So the Xbox um, finally getting a little love. On the note of the game being slow, because uh, the boy did go and buy Red Dead for himself. Okay. He, he played about like eight plus hours, and he said it is kind of slow to start. I, I've heard a lot of people say that the game is almost so immersive that it is it's like too slow and that <laughs> when you're just like walking around you're actually walking at like a walking speed so there's no good way to rush from one thing to the next the game is going to make you see everything and if that's frustrating for people then they're probably not going to enjoy Red Dead I could certainly see a world this year where critics love Red Dead, which is already the case. It's I think like the second or third highest rated game of all time with a ninety seven. Having Metacritic. some near perfect reviews, yeah. Yeah, almost perfect. And you know, it wasn't bogged down with some of the, like the low like Breath of the Wild got amazing reviews, but there were one or two that were at like seventy, I think. I I'm not sure Red Dead wow. has seen that yet. I remember that being the case, yeah. Yeah. So I could see a world where critics love Red Dead, but players prefer god of war or maybe even spider-man i think spider-man's kind of the the people's favorite right now um moving into that game of the year discussion but we'll we'll see on that i guys i have not been playing video games at all literally i haven't been playing video games i've been playing a little online chess i've been playing some chess (laughs) lately um but that's pretty much it i have not been playing any games now I, uh, I I fully intend to get back to it. I have been reading a lot about video games, so I have um, my I'm I'm gearing up for my thesis project, and uh, I thought I I could probably dedicate a couple minutes to this. Right? Are you guys okay with me talking a little bit about this? Go, go no. <laughs> That's your birthday present. You can bore us to death. It's my birthday present. I can bore you to death. So I'll, it, it's quick, but uh, I I'm looking into the differences between how people behave in video games or how the decision making um that goes behind uh things like when you're playing grand theft auto whether or not you run pedestrians over or not 
um, and seeing if that's dependent on whether or not they're streaming or they have an audience. So how does that audience uh, affect the way you play a game? Um, especially myself, you know, streaming, Dakota, you've streamed. I, I've always kind of wondered, okay, would I have done this if I was just playing on my own? So I'm, I'm looking into that, and I think it probably would apply to something like Red Dead too. I'm sure people will play Red Dead differently in front of people than they would on their own. Especially if it has such huge exploration and if it forces you to kind of take it slow. Right. Streaming isn't really made that way. Or yeah. it doesn't. I mean, you can. It's not successful, but... It's much more difficult. Really... Yeah, so yeah. what you probably would see then is a lot of people like tying up, uh, you know, tying up characters to railroad tracks and like having them run over. I, I, you know, that might be something you experiment with as a single player, but it's not something you go back to like once you've done it you've done it but for I mean, you could probably attempt to do it yeah i have missed so many lassos trying to steal a horse it's not easy <laughs> it's really not easy <laughs> it's so shitty uh, uh i suck at it I, i'm glad that the game it makes stuff like that difficult i i don't know why but it, it feels like it that should be a learned thing as you go on like by the end of the game sure. you'll be a pro lassoer but uh oh, i can't I wait i have the yeah so uh yeah i haven't i haven't been playing a whole lot but we do have a little bit of news to get through and i i want to preempt this by saying that by the time you guys listen to this you will have seen the smash direct so we debated pushing the podcast tomorrow but i think we all kind of figured it would be fun if you guys could tell us how wrong we're gonna be about some of our expectations for for the smash bros uh direct tomorrow which is at i think It'll be Thursday at 1 p.m. Eastern time, or is it 11 at 11 a.m.? That's what it is. Is it 11? I don't know what um, it is. Um, if it's like all the others, it's probably one my time, two years. Oh, maybe. Or it, they usually go off of Pacific. Interesting. So we'll have to we'll have to keep an eye on that. Um, they regardless you know i would you, <laughs> again you guys will have seen it by then so the time doesn't really matter for you but uh i i just wanted to talk a, a little dakota about what i expect tomorrow is that they'll show off a single player campaign is there you know it's the the most recent smash bros had the little board game mechanic that was kind of their their go-to thing is there any kind of campaign that would interest you for smash bros is that something you ever really think about or do you um, just not care? Yeah, because, I mean, I've played Melee and Brawl and whatever, and they sort of had a very loose, at least I think Brawl did. One of them did, and they had a very, like, loose campaign. Yeah, and that's like how you would collect your characters. Or something like that, right? space Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's how you got, like, your more characters to play with. Um, and you unlocked more whatevers. Um, and I mean, I feel like it's probably, like, playing a call of duty campaign does anybody play call of duty campaign <laughs> not really <laughs> not will time. it still be fun yeah. yeah probably yeah and plus it's a good way to like learn the game too so marcos correct me if i'm wrong but they mentioned something about just like dakota was saying unlockable characters which is not something they did in smash bros 4 if i remember correctly all the characters were um available right off the bat I don't think, I think that's, that's going to be the case here, right? So we're no, just it definitely won't be. They, they, I think they told 
uh, other direct that was specifically for Smash, where they said that they were going to start off with the same roster that was from 64. Ooh, like the usual amazing. eight characters, like yeah. the original eight characters. And then through playing the game, you will slowly unlock the rest of the cast, which is already looking massive. So, oh, yeah. yeah. So it's going to, like, outside of, I'm sure it's not going to be unlockable through multiplayer. So you'd have to play some kind of camp. Like, there's got to be some kind of campaign that they have in mind. Yeah, probably. I do remember, I think it was, it was either Brawl or Melee. It must have been Melee. Where you had to leave the console on for like you had to play Smash Bros for a total of like a hundred hours before you unlocked Mewtwo, so I would just really? leave my console on at night. Yeah, it may not have been a hundred, but there was some amount that if you if you left it on long enough, um, or, or if you played long enough, you eventually unlocked Mewtwo. I always like stuff like that. Yeah, I really I'm I'm glad that they're returning to the roots of the eight characters, especially because that's going to be such a great way to learn characters individually or fighters individually. Um, so I'm really excited about that. Now, we did talk about the leak last week. We we discussed, I think Marcos was a little more iffy on whether or not it was real. Dakota and I uh, are are banking on it being being true. Now, if that's banking the case... Banking is a very loose word for me. I wouldn't say I'm banking okay. on it. I said, yeah, sure, why not? <laughs> Fair <laughs> enough. I'm ba- I'll bank on it. Uh, now, there there is the possibility that it's not real in which case we have one real opportunity left to get the smash character that we that we want is there any that that you're really hoping for tomorrow like you're going into that direct and you're just hope just hoping they include that one character uh before we get the final roster marcos oh it's a meme but i think oh if goku shows up it would be the greatest thing to happen that would be so crazy. Now, the only thing I, I keep returning to this, not to spoil your fun, but Goku is already Goku is now in Jump Force and in Dragon Ball Fighter Z. That'd be three separate fighting games that Goku has been a part of. So? Alright. Dude, enough. Ryu is in all of them. That's true. <laughs> That's true. So is Mega Man. Touche. Touche. Uh, Dakota, what about you? Any any characters? It doesn't have to be realistic. Just anything you're hoping for. I was gonna say, like, they put Isabel in the game. What what more could I ask for after that? I, I would say maybe Tom Nook. I know he probably won't be, because he's like, I gotta stay home and get ready to make sure everyone's comfy <laughs> when they come back. Right. So I know Tom Nook won't be in it, but that would be really, really fun. He just slams you down with a ton of debt. That's his smash. <laughs> That's good. But yeah, other than that, I can't... KK Slider. I can't think of... Oh, Tingle. Tingle, yeah. I feel like Tingle <laughs> and Tom Nook will be in the game in some capacity, just not as fighters. Yeah, no, definitely. Like how Mewtwo fighters. drops like the CDs. Tingle will just drop. What does Tingle drop? He can drop any... He's oh. a picture guy in Wind Waker, right? Yeah, no, in Wind no. Waker, you could connect um, your... On, at least on the GameCube version, you could connect your little Game Boy uh, through like a cord and... You could have him drop little bombs for you. Interesting. So I guess that could be his, his fighting ability. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I think... So my hypothesis right now, and this isn't... I'm not, I'm not saying this is a sure thing, but I do think if Microsoft got a character in there and Banjo is real, which I think the Banjo thing is real, you have to consider that Sony doesn't really have any representation here. I, I guess Snake counts 
Um, as, I wouldn't say that. That's loose. Yeah, that's, I mean, very loose. Anything, so, like... Now, something like Sora might be not so loose. Uh, because even I mean, though... they have Cloud. The Cloud, sure. Uh, I, you know, I, I just, I get the feeling that if Microsoft is going to make some big wave here with Smash Bros, Sony might want to do the same thing. Now, I don't know what that would mean, but there seems to be a plethora of possibilities. You know, we played uh, PlayStation All-Stars not that long ago. And there's some good characters on that roster. Maybe somebody like, uh, I don't know, Jack or somebody will make it over. Yeah, Fat Princess. So, (laughs) Sackboy. If a Sony character (laughs) had to show up on Smash, it would probably be... um, What's-his-face... What's that raccoon dude you just played as? Oh, Sly like, Cooper. Last one. Yeah, that guy. Yeah, could be Sly Cooper. So something like that. Uh, that's that's kind of my expectation. I'm still, I, I, God, do I want something Souls related? I would love, like a uh, Bloodborne Hunter. I I don't think that's super realistic. I mean, like again, I you know I just talked about the the Sony thing. I just think there's too much dissonance there. Like Bloodborne does not fit at all in in that Smash universe. But nonsense. We have Cloud and Bayonetta. They fit better. Like, if we're being honest, those those characters both fit better in this universe. Bayonetta is iffy, but Cloud is fine. Now, I would say that somebody like Solaire might fit in. How about Artorius? Eh, again, it's too dark. I just Solaire I isn't dark. I mean, I guess he's Solaire's story is kind of dark, but he's really kind of a meme character at this point. That's true. Yeah. Sigurd. Yeah, Sigurd. <laughs> Everybody's, uh, right now, everybody's banking on Artorias for Soul Calibur Six, so like that's where I, that I, would fit in well. I'd be so so down for that. So we'll hold out. Current rumor for Souls and Soul Calibur probably is more realistic. Um, just briefly worth mentioning today. I don't think any of us know much about what's going on here, but an Undertale sequel was teased yesterday and then subsequently released today. Now we're not sure if this is a long demo or what, but as far as I had heard, people were playing it an hour and a half in. And I think it's free, right? Does anybody know yeah. if it's free? Yeah, it's, it's it free. is completely free. I've been playing it. Yeah, I've been is playing it, it a while, a while. It, is it Undertale-like? Very, very much so. The game, when it first opens up, it literally... I don't know how it, how to describe the world, other than maybe its it drops you into, like, after the monsters got out of the underground. Um your character lives with Toriel and you see Undyne as a little police person. Then you get dropped off at school and you go to school with all these monsters. Um, but it's very much Undertale in essence and even the gameplay. Um, there's just one character. Whereas Undertale was very like vague and it didn't tell you that you didn't have to kill anything to win. Like very briefly. But you could have gone the whole game without knowing very, very easily. And I'm sure many people that played it blind did. This game tells you right off the bat. And, you know, and it's like a constant theme where it's like, because you have another character who wants to kill everything and just smash everything. And so it's a constant, like, thing right now where you have the one character like, oh, we should really try and stop this other one before, you know, she kills everything or before, you know, she gets herself in trouble because you guys are supposed to be heroes. Um, Yeah. It sounds interesting. It definitely thematically sounds a lot like Undertale. I think I 
I don't know. I think I was kind of hoping. I don't. I, this is weird for me, and I I can't believe I'm about to say this, but the fact that it's free doesn't make me feel good. I know that's atrocious. I don't know. I don't know what it is, but I just can't imagine a world where like a full Undertale sequel was developed for free. Now that may prove to be wrong, and so far in your three hours, it sounds like I'm wrong. Um, uh, I think so far. I'm going to pull up the Twitter um, just so I can read directly from what the Twitter says. But when I downloaded the game, uh, it says the game doesn't even isn't called isn't even called Deltarune. Um, it's called. Let me find the my desktop. And Deltarune sponsor. is unless I'm mistaken, the, an anagram. The official for, name. Oh, yeah. Right. Undertale. For Undertale. Yeah. I didn't even the, know that. <laughs> yeah. Name of the like the execution for the game is called Survey Program Location Deltarune. It's not even called by the name of the game. Yeah, so it definitely um, feels like some sort of DLC add-on type thing, and, right? Well, it's not DLC because I don't I don't own Undertale. Oh. Introduction to Undertale 2. Like, um, this is a really big intro to it. That like, could how, be. How people for what was going to be Silent Hill. Yeah, that would that would actually make a lot of sense if it was some sort of like in-between Sort of, you remember the uh, when Telltale made the in-between season of one and two? It was like four hundred days or something like that. See, but no, I don't it's remember that. A prequel or whatever to Undertale because it directly shows all the Undertale characters. If anything, it might be like an alternate timeline because that's kind of a thing in Undertale is very briefly mentions alternate timelines. Okay, but off of Toby Fox's Twitter when he first was being ominous about it. Um, and he, you know, started being weird on Twitter. Yeah. Uh, you know, goes, I have something to show you, and I think you'll find it very interesting, but it is not complete yet. It's far from complete, and so I have a small favor to ask. I'll ask a few questions, then using your responses, I will we'll approach its realization. And then, of course, then he drops it uh, today. He says, thank you for waiting. We've been waiting so long. Uh... I look forward to creating a new future with you. And then he launches the game. So I don't think, hmm. like, obviously it's not complete. And there's something <laughs> more going on within there. Because uh, the game is called Survey Program, keyword survey. And he says, you know, I will take in your responses when you create a character. Um, it kind of has you make your own character um, and kind of build this character and put in, like, who is this character? What, you know, what's the gift that you'll give him? You could give him, like, kindness, cruelty. Um, a voice, ambition, bravery. Okay. Um, you can kind of pick them and give them a name. But then it takes that character and says, you don't ever get to choose who you are. And then it gave me this character whose name is Chris, and I assume it's a different character that someone who has also played the game has made. I have to assume. Right. But I don't know because I haven't seen other people's experiences playing. Okay. Ooh. Well, this is interesting. Yeah, Mar before the episode, Marcos was talking about... Uh, that he was asking for people to not talk about the game a whole lot before, yeah, like a twenty twenty-four hours. hours. Yeah, so I'm yeah, guessing he asked for a twenty-four hour grace period. By the time you get to the end of this, there will be some sort of like twist in terms of what it actually means, like what it's about, and we'll probably yeah. know more about that next week. So I assume it's very easy to finish it within twenty-four hours. So that's probably why. Right. I mean, um, most people probably will. Uh, considering I'm about three hours in, and it kind of is like. Oh, I'm, you're heading up, up, up to the to the king, and you know there's all these jokey characters and whatever. But yeah. I'm sure there's more. The game he says it himself on Twitter that there is more. 
um it's just kind of what is that more okay well it's really interesting this is again i think both of these things that we've talked about today we'll know more about them next week <laughs> in fact you guys will probably know more than we do about what we're talking <laughs> about today on the podcast by the time you listen so um I just really briefly, uh, Marcos, wanted to go through the PlayStation Classic announcement of the 20 games. Um, I'll, I'll go through a couple of the more notable ones, and then you can tell us a, a little bit about like what's missing, because a lot of fans are really disappointed. And obviously, you have a history with PlayStation 1. Um, so some of the games that were announced that I, I just think were, were odd choices. Um, so we... We have, there's a couple big ones, Twisted Metal, Grand Theft Auto, uh, Rayman. Like, those are all pretty big. I know you're excited about Tekken 3. There's Resident Evil Director's Cut. Like, okay, pretty good. Um, and then there's Final Fantasy 7. I think those are the sellers, right? Um, and then you have things like Battle Arena, uh, Battle Arena Toshiden. Uh, you have Cool Borders 2. Um, what else do we have here? Siphon Filter. Revelations Persona, Mr. Driller, like a lot of these things. Like I I consider myself pretty nuanced in video games. I don't recognize a lot of these games. Um, And, you know, coming off of the, you know, N60, or excuse me, not the, I'm jumping ahead of myself, but like the SNES Classic or the NES Classic even, this is a lot different. Um, There's just, there's less notable stuff here. At least for me, you know, the outsider, what do you have to say as somebody who's um, more knowledgeable in, in this particular area? My initial, like, defense to this poor lineup is the fact that every other PlayStation 1 game that is notable has already either been ported or is on the um, PSN store on PS3 or PS4. Okay. That seems pretty reasonable. But, I mean, yeah, it's true. Like, that's the thing. But, I mean, half of these games on this list are already also been ported. Like, Rayman's on there. Resident Evil has been ported and remade countless times. Puzzle Fighter has already been remade. Wild Arms, Abe's Odyssey, Jumping Flash, Destruction Derby. The games that are missing that I personally think is the problem is the fact that the PlayStation one, I played a lot for the RPGs and I think they didn't want to just put, just make this an RPG machine. Right. Which is probably what they should have done for name. Honestly, I think it would have been better. Yeah. Yeah. Because a lot of Sony's big things, like they were, they they had the best RPGs. They still are big on the RPG market. They're missing games like final fantasy tactics and, uh, Two, I believe, is the one that came out. They on could have PS1. just made a Final Fantasy machine. <laughs> just Final Fantasy. There was also Chrono Crash and Chrono Trigger, Vagrant Story. Um, what's the other one? It's weird. Soul I didn't even Reaper? think about Chrono was... not being there. Yeah. Yeah. So some pretty absurd decisions going on here. Is there any in particular outside of Tekken that you're really excited for? The battle, uh, battle arena Toshiden, I'm interested in because it's a fighting game I've never touched. Okay. Yeah. All right. Fair enough. That I never really heard of. Yeah. Other than that, Wild Arms maybe, but I mean I have it on PS3. I just never touched it. All right. So let us know what you guys think about the roster. Uh, again, this is a $100 
classic console this is yeah, an expensive so, box <laughs> yeah uh it, this is a tough sell even for me who loves stuff like this uh so why don't we go ahead and take a quick break and we'll come back um we just have a brief halloween segment for you guys to help um you know get we're we're in the holiday season as marcos and i like to say we like to get in the spirit around here so we'll uh we'll be talking about about some halloween related stuff real quick i actually forgot to do the trivia question right off the bat so why don't we go ahead and do that now we have two good ones two really good ones today so let's let's do the first um which was a set so last week i received two questions from code jasper um and we've now done code jasper's questions back to back they were both really really good so i wanted to to use this one i think this will be good now marcos i think you're ahead three to zero now so <laughs> dakota was really, really has to make a comeback uh it, it, no was it four zero i don't think so I four i is think it, four? it is four. Oh, all right so it's either three to four zero we'll we'll double check going into next week but for now we'll assume it's four to zero um so dakota i mean this is, listen this isn't this isn't a sprint this is a marathon dakota's got plenty of time <laughs> plenty of time uh in season two so let's go ahead we've got at least another 25 episodes left in us so let's go ahead and ask this one. Marcos, you can go ahead and go first. Again, this is from Code Jasper. Thanks for the great questions. Which of the following ghosts from Luigi's Mansion is not real, Marcos? Is it Bulosis, right. the Jumbo Ghost? Is it B, Vincent Van Gogh, the Starving Artist? Is it C, Nana, the Scarf Knitting Granny? Or is it D, Blinky, the Superstar Musician? Were the first two? Uh, Bulasis, the Jumbo Ghost, and Vincent Van Gogh, the Starving Artist. I'll go with Bulasis. Bulasis, the Jumbo Ghost. Dakota, what I'm going to go with Vincent Van Gogh. Vincent Van Gogh. So it's actually neither one of you guys got this one right. It's Blinky, uh, the superstar <laughs> musician. Now, keep in mind, there is a very, very famous video game ghost by the name of Blinky. So I think that's what oh my Jasper God. was going for. Can do either of you know where Blinky's from? It's the Pac-Man yeah. ghost, isn't it's it? It's the Pac-Man ghost. Yeah. You got fooled. It's the red one. Jasper got both of you. Yeah, it's the red one. Mm-hmm. Wow. So good question, Jasper. Thanks again uh for for sending those our way. We really appreciate the questions, guys. Uh we we have a lot of questions. I if you would you know I tend to prioritize questions that fit into the theme of our episode. So usually if you know we have an episode coming, send a question our way that pertains to the, the <laughs> topic that we've got going on. <laughs> That's what Dakota thought of uh, that question, I guess. But uh, we'll be back. We've got another question later. Uh, so we'll take just a second. And we'll see you in a few. This episode of the Epilogue Gaming Podcast is brought to you by our Patreon members. A special shout out to Roy Master 4, Blister Agent, Finks the Dragon Slayer, Daniel Coker, Grayson Page, Matt Buchanan, Sin Realization, Ryan Coombs, and Tina Jameson. On behalf of Epilogue, we'd also love to thank our Midnight Tier members, X Creations, who you can find on twitch.tv slash xcreations, Drathjosh, who you can find on twitch.tv slash Drathjosh, and Disney Lover for Life, who is on a never-ending quest to get to Disneyland. If you'd like, you can support our Patreon account at patreon.com epilogue gaming for as little as $1 a month. Thank you for your continued support.
Welcome back, everybody. Uh, we're going to be talking, as we promised, about some very, very spooky topics here. And I wanted to just get right into this, Dakota. What is it that makes a game spooky for you? Why, why don't we start with level design? Like, what makes a level spooky for you to run around in? Okay, you know, I'm the, the horror professional the here. The horror junkie, yeah. <laughs> yep. Okay, so for me, what makes a level spooky is jump scares automatically go. No, if you got, I mean, jump scares are okay. Uh, to me, they're usually a cheap tactic when people have uh, bad level design. So what's an, an example of, of a jump scare and like something like, uh, I don't know, any horror game? Um, oh, shit, my headphones are dying. Um, I would say... Of course, the first game that comes to mind, there's literally a game called Spooky's House of Jump Scares. <laughs> okay. And it's literally, and it's like, it's kind of like cute and kitschy and it's like very like animated, but it's just jump scares on jump scares on jump scares on jump scares. Right. Um, most really, really great horror games, I don't think really follow that. Soma can kind of fall dangerously into that like cheap tactic jump scare thing. Um, it kind of rides a very thin line when there are enemies, but good games to me usually consist of, to me, level design doesn't matter so much so as ambiance does. Um, like ambiance is huge, huge, huge. And I think usually games with sh terrible ambiance usually result to resort to jump scares. Um, cause ambiance just creates tension throughout, even in movies, um, most games have been giving up jump scares because they know people don't like them and people think it's awful. Um, movies still use tons of jump scares, but ambiance, having like a really awesome ambiance, um, you don't you don't have to even include any kind of scare for someone to feel tension and like nervousness and what's around the corner because there's like this music playing and you know maybe like in Amnesia, Amnesia was the first game to do it. You know, some leaves would rustle across the ground and. That's not even a jump scare. No, it's you know, just, it's just enough. Leaves. Yeah. But people, you know, that'd be just enough to make people, you know, jump. Because right. the ambiance in Amnesia is so, so good. So in other games... when we talk about ambiance, like, what, what exactly do we mean? Do we mean, like, a scary painting on the wall? Or no, are like we talking music. about the music? Yeah. Yeah. Music, the, um, usually the setting, obviously, uh, you know, kind of dim, darker, decrepit. Um, or just kind of like unknown. Usually, uh, games will kind of try to like limit your vision and what you can see. You, in horror games, you don't ever just have a wide open space, um, without there being something there. Yeah, um, and I think one of the the things you know we talked about our goofy rule last week, where we you know <laughs> have these specific rules. I think if you're if you're creating a system of rules in which a horror game must must be scary, uh, one of the the first things is that it has to be dark. And I thought a yeah. lot about this. There's not a whole lot of attempts to not have, you know, there, there's not a lot of horror games that take place in the light. One of, one of the ones that I remember pretty vividly because I didn't like it was Outlast 2. And Outlast 2, I guess, it ha is dark. It's always nighttime, but it's constantly illuminated by fire. Like, constantly. It's, it's almost... If I remember correctly, out, whenever you're outside, there is a giant bonfire somebody somewhere in the near area, right? 
And so there yeah. just street there, lights. Yeah, there was just something less scary about it because it was like I could I could see everything. Um and I I think that's a big part of, you know, what makes games scary in the first place. Just like you said, the anticipation of what you can't see. And a lot of things add to that, you know, the, whether it's the music or the, you know, the 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 lighting or the environment around you like are are there paintings of old creepy looking people um resident evil does that a lot right where they just have these paintings of old yeah. old creepy people up on the wall i would and, say probably we could if we had to make a, a horror game rule it would have to be like the amnesia rule because amnesia was the first to do horror games really 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 well and i mean it still kind of sets the standard yeah i almost wonder if a 2d because you know if we want to go far enough back there's probably some 2d horror games or games that tried to scare people in in 2d i kind of wonder if we could find a 2d castlevania could maybe i've never played castlevania or even watched you play it i feel like castlevania could very like it's not traditional horror but it's close yeah like very close i feel like castlevania is the closest in my head i could get they have like bats. Uh, the old Doom or or Wolfenstein. Yeah, that could apply too, right? Uh, definitely. So it's it's interesting. I don't know. I I wish we had been more prepared to set up a series of rules. Um, but I think I, I think set rules for I think you right dark. now. <laughs> ambiance, dark. Um, but even when we're talking about ambiance, there's so many things. It's, that it's not big. like that's yeah. That's not music. just one thing. We can see- Music, yeah, but well, or I mean, the lack there, there could of be sound. Set, yeah, there could yeah. just be no sound. I yeah. hate it when a game is just completely silent. I just hate that. The only sound is like your footsteps or creaking right. doors. Yeah, so I think sound design, like strong sound design, is one. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and then it has to be dark. <laughs> you have to, you, you can't be able to see everything. And we, what about uh, like scares is very vague, but. I feel like it could go either way on the spectrum where you could obviously have your cheap, cheap jump scare tactics um, or you could have like a, a, you know, in a game where it's like you walk and then you look behind you, there's nothing there. You walk and then all of a sudden there's something right there. That's a scare. Yeah. Right. Something that'll make you just feel unsettled. Yeah. Unsettling. Marcos, what is, what's, what kind of instruments are typically used in, in creating like that kind of creepy horror atmosphere i i tend to notice like a lot of strings yeah that's what i was gonna say yeah strings are the big ones strings of percussion so i don't know it's really interesting i think you could do a lot of analysis just on the on the music that that plays during some of these these games i think amnesia is probably a good first place to look if you're interested in in what we're talking about here amnesia would probably be the best place to say okay here here are the roots of what uh you know things like I don't know, Resident Evil and Outlast became more, you know, more Outlast, but... Outlast is definitely very inspired. Yeah, right? very, very inspired. So A lot of more, a lot of, like, highly praised horror games that have come out recently um, that aren't AAA um, are very heavily inspired by Amnesia. Uh, Layers of Fear is very popular. Um, and I don't even think that has any distinct enemies. Right. It's just very unsettling and creepy, and it... I. It's like it's almost like being in a horror movie. It has all these effects, and you're just going about everything. Um, yeah, amnesia has these weird humanoid things that just kind of like walk at you. Uh, but sometimes they're not even real, though. Oh yeah, so I just thought about yeah. it. What about the horror? text adventures? 
yeah i so Ooh. i was gonna i was actually thinking about that before we started the episode like could it could a text adventure be scary i mean we have horror novels yeah. those because could be scary right so. there there is a game that i have i always wanted ben to play it because i played it and i thought it was absolutely terrifying and it's a text adventure it's called stories untold it's great yeah. i think everybody should go try it out oh this is just is text that but the, um, you're playing one kind of thing it's weird yeah, so uh, I think. Is, oh, go ahead, Dakota. Is that the game that it's uh, you pretty much like you're looking off of like a screen as you do your text adventure, and then like the world kind of slowly morphs around you as you do it. Yeah, like what you do in okay. the game changes what you're looking at. So yeah, deal. okay, that game is super good, actually. That is yeah. super spooky. So I I think we'd have a tough time finding a specific mold as to what can and can't work with a horror <laughs> game. <laughs> like it, you know, thinking about it more even if you go back to our last episode and in talking about like what is it that makes a horror game horrific uh i think you know there there's a a lot of roots in cinema here just as dakota talked about earlier you can you can find um a lot of the same tactics used in video games as you can in film uh and you know that's where we probably start experimenting with okay like what is it that what's the common theme here between all of these games and what makes them scary so honestly a lot of horror games kind of delve into like mental health yeah no definitely like like i mean even amnesia outlast yeah layers of fear evil within Resident. What, what Resident was the game? Evil? Is it Hellblade? No. Uh, yeah. Hell, yeah, Hellblade. Hellblade and, it was was, and that's a yeah. scary game. Like that. That. Yeah. That was a scary game to play, and I don't think it was meant to be horror. But you're right. Like, there's something to be said for a lot for of mental um, health as a theme. Yeah, definitely. So yeah, lots lots to pick at here. Uh, I think this is really one of those instances where you know maybe this time next year we can we can really like pick at a few games and say okay what what is it that makes what it, what links all of these things together um and come up with that sort of specific rule as to okay this makes a horror game good or bad at, at what it's trying to do um but because we're running out of time a little bit i do want to go ahead and jump forward we we each picked a level to to talk a little bit about um in terms of you know something that makes us scared or frightened marcus what did what did you pick for for your horror level Fishing Hamlet. Oh, that's a good one. So I've always contended that Bloodborne's a horror game. Yeah. It is. Or been playing a video game is when I went to Fishing Hamlet. So what is it about Fishing Hamlet outside of the weird fish humans <laughs> that attack yeah, you? Yeah, I was going to say, you're just afraid of fish. That's, that's, that's basically yeah. it, honestly. <laughs> Not to, that and like, dude... It teases you, okay? Like, you're just walking through and there's this weird shaman fish guy. I'm like, all right, this is already, like, a little too much. And then you go to, like, an opening. There's, like, a cul-de-sac sort of deal. And there's a... In the center, and you're thinking, like, okay, let's check out this well. Not knowing that right behind you, there's a giant shark troll thing ready to eat you. <laughs> and it is just so fast. You have no... You can't react to it, so you just look at it and... I. Uh, yeah, there's a lot of inspiration in Bloodborne and Fishing Hamlet to Blight Town, the infamous level from Dark Souls One, uh, where you, if you look around you a lot, you'll notice that like these things have houses, like they have little huts that they stay in, right? You start noticing like the environment. There's there is a world that is built around this horror. It's it's 
that you're walking into something that is a, a real living world and to a certain extent you see these characters and it almost looks like they've evolved into this like maybe they were humans once but now they've evolved into fish so they could swim around or something like that's they, the story with it yeah yeah it's, just, it's going based off of uh shadows of Rand smith where the people basically made a deal with the shagas and uh mated with fish yeah and of course who are we talking about here of course i lovecraft right right yeah so yeah. um it, it's just one of those interesting things where if if you look at at what you know again tying it back to this whole thing the world has to feel like it's lived in outside of your experience um i think that's something for me that outlast 2 really struggled with like i was playing through outlast 2 and it didn't really feel like people lived in these areas it felt like they were specifically standing around waiting for me like like at all times <laughs> i was the center of their attention um and that's i don't know that doesn't that doesn't translate super well for me but dakota i'm interested to hear as the horror savant what what do we have uh what do you have up your sleeve okay this might be a little a little surprising Ooh. it's not even a horror game okay it's a nintendo game yeah i like it it's twilight princess in the levels that you would i think you played as a wolf in the levels but it yeah. was like this reverse world and once you entered, like, all these statues would come to life if you exited a certain part. And mm -hmm. I couldn't play Twilight Princess because that scared me so much. And having these statues, like, hunt you down as you're trying to collect whatever the things you are that you need in these light worlds. Um, I couldn't do it. Yeah, the little light bugs. That's a great example, right? I, I, I think Zelda does horror super well. It does it super well. I think Majora's like Mask is level... one of the most terrifying games I've ever played. I've talked about this a lot. I think it's a great example, right? There's... We've got that it the world turns into this like gray underworld type place, right? Just like yeah. you said. Yeah. And oh it's you're you're trying to collect the spirit orbs to unlock the spirit fountains or whatever to reawaken them. That's what it was. Uh -huh. And if you exited like a certain part, the the statues in that world protecting it would come alive and try to kill you. <laughs> so and scary. you you couldn't you couldn't Oh, and you know what's another one is it's a Legend of Zelda game still. It's um Spirit no, not Phantom Hourglass. Where it has a similar world where you enter like this temple thing. And there's these like knights that will that are just roaming around. It's not as spooky because they're not hunting you down. In Twilight Princess, they're looking to kill you. They yeah. they're coming for you. They know where you are and they're coming. <laughs> Liam Neeson. In Spirit style. Tracks, you, it, yeah. In Phantom Hourglass, you can kind of avoid them because they have like set paths. They're still spooky though. Yeah. And I think that's that's another thing that is really interesting about the horror genre in, uh, in video games is that it makes an appearance in so many different games that we wouldn't consider horror. Bloodborne and Twilight Princess are the first two that you guys mentioned. Um, and they're not horror. Yeah, not horror games at all. By at, any means. You know, at, at least Bloodborne for me is Bloodborne, sort of a horror game. To me, yeah. Bloodborne's yeah. more horror. But um, Yeah, it's horrific, that's for sure. Yeah. But it's definitely not built as a horror game, right? So... Yeah. Um, really interesting stuff. I'm going to go off the beaten path, ironically, and choose Resident Evil 7. Um, the the house in Resident Evil 7, which is the oh. initial area that you explore. It's very small. There's two... I think there's actually three areas. There's a living room, there's a kitchen, and there's a underground garage. And then obviously there's like various... Um, there's the little rooms. Yeah, various like broom closets and whatnot. And in this area, you're being chased by 
uh i think he i don't know if they call him the patriarch he's either called patriarch or father i can't remember he's called the father yeah the he's father daddy yeah daddy. daddy that's what it is that's what it is um and so he has an actual name that you find out later in the game but i just, just don't daddy. like saying daddy no it's gross i agree which is part of what adds that's to the whole the, yeah, yeah that's part of the reason man. yeah so and you're just walking like he's he moves slowly that's the thing that's the creepy thing is that he's not like super fast or anything but he, he's just walking around. He's strolling. Yeah, he's like strolling around the house. And he's his house. <laughs> yeah. And he, like, the thing is, is you don't know when you're going to turn a corner. And all of a sudden, he's just right there. It's, it's terrifying. And I think that sort of like, okay, the game is telling me that this guy's here. And, and even with that knowledge, it manages to be terrifying. Um, and there's a lot of things going on there, you know, like the paintings on the wall, the music, uh, the, the fact that it all feels so claustrophobic. Um, there's not a lot of room for me to run. So if, if I see him at the end of the hallway, I don't really have a whole lot of places to go. <laughs> right. And that's terrifying. So I think Resident Evil 7 was, which is really good until about the three fourths of the way through, um, where it kind of goes off the rails, uh, is a very good Resident example. Sorry, Chris Redfield. Yeah, uh, no, that I, there's some tie-in late in the game, but I can't remember what it is. Um, that it might be Redfield at the end, but he doesn't really play a prominent role. Yeah, but uh, now the DLC is where you play as Redfield. It's really oh, fun. Oh, the DLC is. I, yeah, I haven't played it. Yeah, okay. It's um, so let's go ahead and ask our last trivia question of the day. Um, and this is a little different. So we're going to try something here. And we, we got about six of these, um, all from the same person, Bounce House. And I thought it would be good to start with one that's relatively easy. Um, so the game here is that you each have two lives. And uh. <laughs> what I'm going to do is I'm going to read through the plot of a very specific horror game. Now, if you guess the plot correctly it's the first person to guess wins as i read through it the first person to guess through it wins this is straight from the wikipedia <laughs> but if you guess and you get it wrong you only have one more try okay so choose wisely when you start guessing don't start blaring them out you got to be careful now if i get to the end of it and neither of you have guessed it then nobody gets a point okay it's about four paragraphs long, so you've got a little bit of time. I'm going to withhold names just in case that uh, plays plays a role. All right, and I'll take I'll play, take some breaks in between if uh, that's when you guys want to jump in. Okay, so here's the plot of the game. Thank you, Bounce House, for the uh, for the fun new kind of game. Freelance investigative journalist Blank receives an anonymous email that inhumane experiments are being conducted. Can, can I? Uh, I know. I know which game it is. <laughs> yeah, go for it. <laughs> Outlast. Yeah, it's, it's Outlast. <laughs> the code is on the board. <laughs> so I wanted to do too, one that was a little bit easy. easier. So, well, this is surprising. You so, said freelance investigative journalist, and I'm like, oh. Okay, so okay. you, you say that. that you okay. say that. Yeah, no, no, no. That's exactly my point. So three other games that were sent to us by Bounce House had the exact same start. I'm not kidding oh, yeah? to you. A Resident Evil game, freelance yeah, investigative journalist. 
and Dead Rising, as Marcos yeah. pointed out, is that also really freelance investigative journalist. <laughs> I How was like, absurd. ooh, when I gotta wait. <laughs> so you said yeah. you said the email part then though, and I was like, okay, this is opening up to Outlast. Yeah, that's so where I, I stopped you. Um, it was after I'm, the email. Now I, I, I'm glad that you got it. I think this was actually this could have been one that went way wrong. Now I know you have more experience with Outlast than Dead Rising, say, but it was really absurd to me that there's so many games with this exact same plot line. I've been so angry. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, that's that's really good. We're gonna if he uh, he or she bounce house gave us several of these, so we're gonna do another one next week. Um, right. And it'll be a little tougher, but I thought this was a really good one. Yeah, um, so thanks, thanks bounce house for the for the game the the other thing that i really liked i was hoping we'd get a little further um because there are some really really absurd things in this in this summary let me read you guys a paragraph regaining consciousness miles miles finds himself trapped in a decaying cell block filled with catonic and demented patients he escapes through the sewers to the main wards pursued by walker and two cannibalistic twins only to be captured by a former Murkoff executive, Rick Traeger, driven insane like the other inmates. Traeger traps, straps Miles to a wheelchair and amputates two of his fingers, preparing to do the same to his tongue and genitals. However, Miles escapes Traeger and flees to the elevator, inadvertently crushing Traeger between floors when he attacks him. <laughs> Like, isn't that nuts? That's a plot <laughs> from a video game. That's crazy. Yeah. I, I've seen Outlast. Yeah, Outlast is nuts. So uh, I was hoping we'd get to that point in the in the segment. But um, yeah, we'll, we'll do that again next week. So again, thank you, Bounce House. I'm very familiar with Outlast. Yeah. So and we also forgot to do a code game this week. Um, so Outlast, that's your code game. Yeah, we'll do Outlast. Uh, if if you want to whisper that, we can get a, a little prize. But uh, Bounce House and Code Jasper, go ahead and uh, message us on Twitter or our, uh, on the website. You can email us, and we'll we'll deliver your guys free games. So thanks everybody for listening to our Halloween episode. Um, we got done in just under an hour, which is great. And uh, we'll be back next week. I'm not sure exactly what we're talking about next week. Um. I think we had it. Let me. I, I can open up the schedule real quickly. Uh, so we have uh, favorite. Some of our favorite video game tropes. So speaking of freelance investigative journalists, <laughs> we'll be talking about video game tropes next week. So um, if you feel like sending in a, in a question in regards to that, it'll probably be a little more likely um, to to make it on the show. So. Marcus, why don't you tell people where uh, you can they can find you, and we'll get out of here. Yeah, uh, Twitter, Marcus Camona at Twiggy Pie Thirty Seven. I'm the cute one. Okay, Dakota. Uh, on Twitter at the Empress, but there's a three in there somewhere, and you gotta find it. And Spygina at Twitch. All right. Yeah. Uh, and then I am at Benjamin Plays on Twitter or at Epilogue Games on Twitter. Um, we've got a lot of content going up on the website this week, including Marcos's uh, best, no, worst tutorials. <laughs> T- oh, Ten yeah. worst tutorials in video games. So if you kind of like what we do on the show here, that's kind of what Marcos is doing for us on the website. Um, that's going to go up this week. Probably t- It'll probably be up by the time you guys hear this, so check that out. And uh, also, we have a brand new podcast available to you guys. We have Musings, which you can find on iTunes. 
Um, it is a much more academic kind of podcast, much more in the style of the rest of what we do on the website. So uh, feel free to tune into that. This is um, that's Andy, and and Andy's fantastic. If you guys haven't seen, yeah, dude, he's a monster. Yeah, I mean, he's just amazing. You got to go listen to him. Um, and those are like short little snippets, so they're not they're easily digestible given the content. Um, definitely go check those out, especially if you you know are interested in working in video games or researching video games. I really uh, can't recommend that enough. So that's it for us. Uh, thank you guys so much for listening. We'll see you guys next week. Um, we also have Patreon. Oh, we do have Patreon. <laughs> I, I I forgot to sell us out. We are on Patreon. Feel free to check us there at patreon.com slash epilogue gaming. We need more $1. We're, we're almost to our goal of 20 patrons. Uh, we, we are four away, three away, I think. Um, so help us make And if, if you guys, if we hit 200, we get another podcast. Spy spoiler cast. Yeah, the spy, po- spy spoiler cast. Say that 10 times fast. Uh, but we'll uh, hopefully get to that pretty soon. We're, we're inching up there, so. Um, thanks everybody for the support and again we'll see you guys next week thanks for tuning in